the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is The Live Life, Episode 8, Toast and Eggs, recorded March 13th, 2013. This episode of The Live Life brought to you by World Stage, the ultimate resource for event engineering, technology, and imagination. Find us at www.worldstage.com. And welcome to the next edition of The Live Life. My name is George Tucker, your host. Today, we are going to talk about something that, well, we talked about Ethernet in the past, but this is something that involves the wire, but is something new to us, webcasting. More and more these days, we're being asked to broadcast the show over the Internet, over such tools as, well in the lower end, Ustream and other things, but there's a more professional side to it. We're going to talk about it today and figure out what's going on. Joining me today, though, of course, is Mike Postapuck, my able co-host. How are you, Mike? Hello, everyone. It's been a long time. It's good to hear your voices. Yes, indeed. Well, it's been busy season, so, you know, we all get tied up. Also joining us today is a special guest. I've been talking to him a lot lately, Brian Isaacson. He is the president of Communitech Video Systems. How are you, Brian? Very good, George. Thank you very much for welcoming me here. All right. Um, so before we get to that, though, uh, Mike, you got to go to something very special uh, last week, I think it was. Uh, Infocom has this thing called Infocom Live, which is all about their new initiative getting to uh, the staging and events world. Uh, I know it's been around for a couple of years, but to get invited is something pretty special. So uh, you were there for the whole gig. What was going on? Yeah, I sure was. I'll tell you, it really was an honor. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, still getting over my. Uh, <laughs> it, it was kind of weird. I I went down unknowingly. I had an ear infection on the way down, and my head kind of blew up. So I missed the first re reception that night. But um, I was there for the rest of it, and. Um, I've got to say, uh, one thing that I'm really impressed about Infocom is how they're really reaching out to the staging side. And, you know, as you know, staging has always kind of been the redheaded stepchild of Infocom. But uh, Dave is really putting efforts, it looks like, towards uh, really, you know, putting staging in its rightful place there. And so I'm really looking forward to that. Was that um, Dave Labuskas? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, some of the things, it was more centered around uh, uh, business and things of that nature, but it, it was very good. Just to give you a, an example of some of the things that they were talking about was um, yeah, one person, uh, James Fellman, who was uh, really good the first day there. And uh, I guess his main uh, mantra in his, in his speech was basically stay away from RFPs. And how that's uh, hurting your company in the long run. Uh, you know, I don't know if I agree with that 100%. He made some good points, but, you know. And uh, Betsy Jaffe from Infocom went ahead and uh, was talking about the government a little and talking about how, well, basically, if you have all your eggs in that basket, you better find another basket. And uh, there was a few good... Um, they had some people talking about, you know, how to sell your company. And then there was the old uh, 1099 and W-2 uh, battle that was going on there. And uh, one thing that I, I learned from that was just how um, how much of a gray era, uh, gray area it, it, it really is. Um, there was a person, Lisa Orwell, who was a great presenter talking mm. about the millennials and the uh, the Generation Y there. I mean, it's really something you need to consider if you're in management or, or have your own company. It's really something you have to be looking at. The baby boomers are retiring. The millennials are here, and they are very different from what we're used to and, um, and things well, like well, that. Well, in what way? I mean, let's, let's, let's discuss that. I mean, the RFP thing mm -hmm. interests me. But the millennials also, because I, you know, my new position where I, my reentry to the event staging world was all about basically managing a bunch of millennials who know far more about certain technologies like the video servers and the projection mapping than I ever even conceived of being out of the business mm -hmm. for a couple of years. 
Uh, what were they saying about millennials? Just how much, you know, like the things that you can get away with where the boomers would say, oh, well, that's just the way it is. You know, mm. we've got bad management and, well, we'll just suck it up and stay here. The, the millennials aren't going to take that. Hmm. And the millennials are going to, you know, they're they're not there just for the money. They really are there um, for a lot more. And if they're not getting it, you know, the the soft side of things, if they're not getting that, they'll, they'll leave and they'll leave in a heartbeat. You know, they, they would rather not have a paycheck than be at a job that they really do not like. So, you know, that's uh, of course, there's a lot more to this. But, you know, uh, yeah. in our time span here, that that's basically it in a nutshell. Hmm. Well, I mean, Brian, you, you work on what we're going to talk about, which is essentially in the staging world, cutting edge, but it's been around for a good deal. I mean, are you dealing with millennials who are on top of this and, and, and are a new entity f for this kind all, of world? Or is it for you? It's just the way we go. All the time, and I find this this discussion very interesting because I do see the millennials coming in, and a lot of them don't have. A lot of those people who are just getting into the business do not have the experience and don't understand the past where you know uh, where there was a whole boatload of equipment that you had to wire up, and you know they don't understand the entire flow of video. And then how it gets to a stream, they just want to hook up a computer and press a button and let it go. Hmm. You know, I do hmm. find that. So you have to kind of educate or re-educate, even if they've come out of, you know, uh, the uh, the new school or, um, you know, out of NYU or something. You still have to educate them as to, you know, what the, what basic video is all about before you get to the stage where you can show them how to do, uh, you know, live webcasting. Oh, interesting. So are you saying that they're, they're, they're basically in the schools, the trade schools, the colleges, they're teaching the new technology, but that sort of legacy background is being ignored, even though it, there's a lot of value in understanding how it came to be? Yeah, I think that years ago they were teaching the legacy, and of course now they're not. I think they're teaching, you know, uh, to put somebody on Final Cut, and, you know, this is that's video, you know. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, uh, shoot your video up to YouTube, and that's video. But when you're doing a, a staged event, it's a whole nother world. Mm. You are combining, you know, multiple cameras, graphics, audio. The last uh, job I just did was with AES Digital Audio. I think we made history, because I don't think that's ever been done in a live webcast. And the people around me didn't even know what I, what I was doing. Hmm. Right? So... Uh, pretty much I had to be the lead, even though I'd like to sit back <laughs> and let somebody else do the work. You really have to, you know, you have to know that, okay, AES audio uh, requires a, a bit of a, a delay to match up to SDI, HDSDI video, right? They don't exactly synchronize. And let's couple that with the fact that you have to do a conversion from 96 kilobits down to, you know, 48 kilobits uh, because you you know, you're in the video domain, right? right? That the kids don't understand it. Mm. And you have to explain and, and educate. And then they, oh, okay, now I get it, you know? So, yeah. um, you know, it's not just the, the work ethic or, you know, or the fact that they, you know, they don't want to be in a job that they don't like, but they need to learn uh, the actual, you know, uh, technology before they start to apply it. Interesting. And is that basically because you think because you know they're a generation that basically they grew up with the internet you know they don't know what it's like not to have the internet exactly, and, uh, exactly. you know exactly. and that's all that they they're at the stage they came in at a stage where everything just was push a button and it goes so they don't know any you know anything beyond that just push a right button. right hmm. you know, they don't understand you know back in the day you know you had to time everything to make it work Right. And, you know, now you just, you know, you hook up your cameras to a, a I would say a webcast like our product and it it's just it's there. It's just there. You know, it's funny because I don't want to sound like an old crony. And, you know, in our day, we walked up the hill both ways to school. But but you did. They, but I yeah. did <laughs> with knives on our feet and glass in our shoes. Um, but 
there is something to be said for that. We've talked about this before, Mike, and I've blogged about this endlessly about how the old slide guys when I came in and I was a video kid and I came in and had to do a lot of slide work with a, with a multimedia control system back then that was doing that and making the transition from slides to video where I learned a lot from slide guys just about how things were paced and how things sure. were formatted and what this technology allowed you to do. And it actually allowed me to think, oh, and slides, they used to do this. I wonder if I can do that with a laser disc and coming up with some pretty nifty stuff. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, in my day, I wasn't the greatest of the greats that did that, but it allowed me to go, oh, this is pretty cool. And that exponential growth of knowledge came from knowing what the legacy stuff did. You know, that's probably one of the biggest problems with that that I see is that, not knowing, um, you know, a lot of the fundamentals, it's just, you know, when there's a problem, that's all you know is I'm supposed to push a button and this happens. If mm. that does not happen, what do you do? You know, if you don't know, yeah, you got yeah. problems. Exactly. That's why you have to know. You have to know the past about video and the basics of your video and colorimetry and uh, signals, types of signals. And, you know, what constitutes a format and how it's all put together in order to be able to to, uh, you know, to run a full video production that's going to wind up being streamed live in HD, you know, over Internet protocol. Well, you know, th that's a perfect sort of segue into what we're talking about today. Um, again, Brian, you're, you're someone who's been doing this for quite some time. But so we're, we're in a talk and a discussion about what the past is, Brian. So talk to me about what streaming video really is. I mean, oh, where sure. did it come about? And, and give me a short history of where we are, where we've come to from here to the past. Well, uh, certainly many, many uh, years ago, let's say about 15 years ago, uh, Microsoft and Apple were, were trying to figure out, you know, good ways to run, uh, you know, live video over Internet protocol. Now, you already had, uh, way back, you had video conferencing over ISDN, right? Mm. And this was basically video compression down to, you know, 100 kilobits per second. Compression Something. is being fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it was, it, it kind of worked, <laughs> you know. And then... Um, what happened is Microsoft and Apple both, uh, you know, it's almost like the Sony and uh, Ampex war, you know, back in the broadcast days, mm -hmm. uh, race to, you know, try to come up with a streaming protocol. Microsoft did with their Windows uh, Media. And, uh, and Apple kind of stuck with the Ampex 4. Uh, I remember going to those meetings and, you know, the, the one would not talk to the other. <laughs> right? Right. And finally, around 1999, I think we had the first Streaming Media East conference at the Hilton, if I'm not mistaken. And this brought together uh, all the, the technologists who were trying to build what would be video over uh, Internet protocol in real time. And that's really the definition of streaming video. It's, it's a video that's, that's run as a transport stream and is packetized and encoded, of course, right? Compressed and then decompressed, decoded so that you can watch it on your computer screen. Of course, these days now uh, you can watch on a smart TV as well or any, any LCD or LED monitor that uh, has a uh, connection to a computer. Or even any mobile device these days. Or mobile device. Oh, yeah, let's not leave that out. Uh, yeah. yeah. And again, those protocols are very different between Apple and uh, and the rest of the world. <laughs> right. So. so this is taking the place, though, now. I don't know if it's taking the place of, but in the old days, if you wanted to broadcast to a particular group, even if it was a private TV network, say, like Merrill Lynch has or mm -hmm. some of the hospitals do uh, for their intern programs, you would need a truck. I mean, a big broadcast um, yeah, truck. Equipment, at least. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, all of these corporations. And, and I did some work for Merrill Lynch, by the way. Ah. Then in 1982. <laughs> don't date yourself now. You don't need to. Yep. <laughs> um, the, what was was happening back then, was, yes, they had their own private networks. And a lot of times, like uh, Macy's, for example, would use satellite connection. Mm. They paid astronomical amounts of money 
to get a, a video production out of Herald Square via satellite to every Macy's, you know, across the country, right? So we built a TV studio. They interfaced that to the satellite. And it cost, you know, X number of uh, fortunes, right? The streaming video, uh, yeah, concept, was really to phase that out, to replace, you know, satellite and private network feeds to be able to use the public internet. Do you see, ha has it been? I mean, uh, are trucks still <laughs> prevalent or? Well, in the, um, I would say in the early 2000s, it was still, still you did not have uh, the proliferation of internet to the point where, mm. you know, everybody had, you know, 100 megabit, you know, uh, downloads just didn't exist, right? Most people had something close to a T1, which was 1.5 megabits per second. Mm. And that was very expensive back then. Sure. So it really didn't start, you know, this whole uh, running streaming video for concerts and, uh, and events and, and now churches and synagogues and uh, that just about every event under the sun is doable because most people do have some type of high-speed internet, and that was the key, was to have the, the access to the bandwidth. Well, now, what about reliability? Are trucks more reliable? Oh, or well, do you feel that it's... Yeah. Yeah, production truck, you know, a solid production truck now, an HD, SDI uh, production truck. Oh, sure, you've got, mm -hmm. you know, mostly hardware, right? But even mm -hmm. those those new pieces of hardware in there have a lot of software in them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So sure. you spend a million dollars on a truck and you know, you're going to get pretty close to the same result as going out with a webcaster three. Really? Or dare I say a tricaster, which is, you know, mm. which well, 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 do me a favor. Let's, let's get a little nitty gritty here. Now you said webcaster three and tricaster. Now explain to me what these are and the difference. Uh, sure. The, the Webcaster 3, uh, which I uh, must say is our product, is a up to a 10-input HD, SDI, switcher, graphics, audio, titling, um, uh, downstream keying, the, the whole business that you would normally find on, let's say, a, a big Grass Valley switcher, into a 3RU frame, right, a 3RU rack frame, that has uh, you know dual processors and lots of RAM and is basically a dedicated appliance for switching. And then the added uh, bonus is that it actually does live streaming as well. So it will take the output of all you know the switched output of all eight cameras or ten cameras and graphics and audio and everything that you throw at it and put that into you know, let's say an H.264 wrapper, and you can shoot that off to a CDN. And uh, you mentioned Ustream, there's Ustream, there's Livestream, there's Justin TV, there's Bamboozer, and there's Communitech. <laughs> also, we have our CDN. And, um, and we can compare and contrast those, uh, this show or another show. But um, what happens is the public winds up getting a feed or a, you know, a stream from one of these CDNs, which is, you know, the reflection of your actual uh, transmission through the webcaster. And how much um, uh, latency is there between ah, all this? That all depends on uh, on a few things. One, the product that you're using, of course. The uh, CDN, right? Uh, for example, mm -hmm. uh, our CDN, it's about four to five seconds of latency. Whereas in a, a live stream or Ustream, you could be somewhere up with 20 to 30 seconds. Wow, of late. Okay. Yeah. Now, is that it, comparing to, say, the Ustream, like their really top tier? Their top tier, if you pay them enough, you, will, you can get uh, pretty, uh, pretty low latency, you know, down to five, six seconds, something like that. Right, and no ads, which I've learned years and ago. No when, <laughs> yeah. and all of a sudden, in the and, middle and, of the show. I would have to say, you know, because I've evaluated all the services, of, of all the free to, you know, low-cost services, I would say Ustream definitely has an edge on the others, that's for sure. Hmm. 
Um, yeah. I'm, you know, in hearing you describe that, I, the first thing that came to my mind is what? It doesn't make toast? Yeah. Your product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the webcaster. Uh, well, if you put something on top of it, you know, if you let the processor run hot enough. Yeah, there you, you go. <laughs> some toast, you have to something. <laughs> toast and eggs. Um, right. Oh, I think I just came up with the uh, title. Toast and eggs. Toast and eggs. Um, toast. So, <laughs> the, oh, you remember the toaster product, right? Yes, of course, the video toaster. The video the toaster. toaster. Well, that was the pre-TriCaster. Yes. Okay. Right? Yes. Well, explain the TriCaster to folks because that's okay. still relevant. So the TriCaster, which is the other product, is um, is also a you know it's a turnkey system like ours. It's in a slightly bigger case. I believe it's a four RU case, uh, and. It will also take in, I believe, only up to eight inputs, all right? Eight HDSDI um, will also take composite uh, or YC. And um, that product also has an uh, optional control panel that looks like an old Grass Valley control panel, right? Um, and so uh, that makes it very popular. And what they do is they also have uh, encoders built in. Up until recently, they only had Windows Media, but uh, now they have, of course, uh, you know, Flash encoder in there as well. And uh, so they do pretty much the same thing, uh, you know, but up to, I believe, eight cameras. But they also have uh, uh, IVGA, so they can take in VGA. Um, hmm. You know, we have what's, uh, what's HDMI. For? What's that for? Uh, it's to take in, let's say you have, let's say you have someone on Skype, right? Uh -huh. And you want to take the output of that and feed that in as a live camera source. Well, with the uh, TriCaster, you would have to use their IVGA input and you would feed from another computer. Okay. Okay. With the webcaster, you would either grab it with the HDMI or VGA or you can actually take Skype video directly into the webcaster by capturing it with our VidBlaster program. We have a program called VidBlaster. Mm. And that program will take live Skype, Uvu, um, Adobe Connect, um, BlueJeans, any of the conferencing programs, right. and integrate it fully into the webcast. Interesting. So you, we'll talk a little bit more about that. I mean, how does that... Well, this is going to be talking about your specific program. This is probably something similar to many others out there. I'm sure yours is better. But well, well, um, thank but you. give us an overview of what we're looking at. I mean, you know, and better question, I guess, is let's start from the top. I want to do a webcast. I'm doing sure. a large event. It's in a ballroom. Okay. It's for some important people. I want okay. it to be private. What do I need to communicate to you? And what are you going to provide that helps me do this? Absolutely. Well, first of all, we need to know exactly which cameras, right? What the format of those cameras are. In other words, what the signal format is. HD, SDI, SDI, um, in some cases, uh, God forbid, composite <laughs> or component. Um, so we need to know the camera sources, the graphics, how, much, uh, how many graphics are involved. Is it you know, uh, PowerPoint, uh, JPEGs, uh, PNGs, whatever's involved in that, in that respect. And so once we know the, the number of cameras and the, uh, and the graphic sources um, and perhaps live titling might be needed, right, then we know which configuration of webcaster you would need to, uh, to do that job. Um, and if you needed the cameras, we could outsource that as well. But, you know, you probably most of our customers already have their, you know, their, their sources for cameras. Mm. We just need to know which ones they are. Then we need to know exactly what the audience is. In other words, how many hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands or a million viewers there's going to be anticipated, right? So we can anticipate the CDN bandwidth usage. All right, explain it. What, uh, let's stop. What is the CDN bandwidth? Yeah, CDN bandwidth is, you know, how much, or data usage is how much, uh, how much data is going to run through the CDN. And it's based on two things. It's based on the number of people watching and the bit rate, right? The actual mm -hmm. bit rate of the streaming video. Streaming video can be run at, you know, as we said in the early days, 100 kilobits. 
These days, it's somewhere between uh, 500 kilobits per second and a meg and a half per second, right? Mm-hmm. 1.5 megabits per second. So let's take an average webcast of, let's say, 950 kilobits per second. That's going to generate a certain amount of, of gigabytes in terms of bandwidth, right? And you multiply that by the number of people in the audience that are going to be watching or anticipated to be watching, and you come up with what we call a, a, a factor called the viewer stream hours, Okay. right? How many, how many viewers per hour at, let's say, 1,000 viewers all watching for an hour, something like that. And we multiply that by the amount of bandwidth that's going to be generated by a 950 kilobit stream. And we come up with, you know, let's say 20 or 30 gigabytes worth of data. And that's what we base the quote on. Interesting. So it's new math, huh? Not too much. Yeah, it's like new math. (laughs) (laughs) All right. For those that may not be uh, familiar, uh, CDN, Content Delivery Network, right? Is that what it is? Right. Right. And And is that basically... Can it be considered like a host for your video that you're sending out yeah. and a distribution Absolutely. for that, right, basically? Right. In fact, uh, and some people call right. it the cloud. It basically, what it is is a cluster of servers spread mm-hmm. out throughout the country and throughout the globe that will all simultaneously relay your video stream. So Now, does let's... distance really make a big difference? Um, um, do you want your yeah. material, like if you're showing it to people in, you know, the West Coast, is it right. better to have a CDN that is on the West Coast, et cetera? Well, yes, it's better to have CDN that, that covers the entire country, of course. And what you do mm-hmm. in this case, let's say you're based in New York, but you, you're, the program is primarily targeted at people in Los Angeles. Okay. We use what is known as the subscribe mode. The subscribe mode is basically a way of taking your stream to the nearest point of preference or the nearest, uh, let's say, the nearest server to you. And then in a form of what we call multicast, basically a relay of that stream to the server in California. Okay, So there's a, a cluster of servers in California. What happens is your stream from, let's say, the webcaster or the TriCaster would subscribe to the server closest to you, but relay that stream in real time to another server or bank of servers on the West Coast, let's say in L.A. And when people watch in L.A., they will actually, by this using the subscribe technique, their computers mm-hmm. will find the closest point of presence. And that hmm. is it's really called point of presence, POP. And that will be the LA servers. So they're going to get a very uh, short amount of latency from that server to their desktops or their laptops or their iPhones. Hmm. So interesting. That now, most of the, most of the uh, destination devices, we think, are going to be some kind of consumer product, uh, a right. computer, uh, a mobile device, an iPad, etc. Right. Um, but... We're in a venue, and the venue's got to have a pretty hefty backbone to get that oh, yeah. out, right? Oh, yeah. You can't leave that factor out. That, yeah. that, that was the next question. <laughs> when talking to the, I'm glad you brought that up. When talking to the customer, let's say you are doing a staged event, wherever it is, uh, you know, wherever the origination point is, you need to have a very good, stealthy connection to the Internet in order to reach the server you know, the first, the first bank of servers. And typically, uh, many of these venues now, not, you know, in the old days, they just didn't have, but now they'll, they will have up to 100 megabits to the web. Um, we do Lincoln Center, and Lincoln Center's got like, you know, 60 meg straight to the web. Right. So what happens is you, you know, you connect and you're connect, you're, that's it, you're done. You know, the CDN has no trouble picking up your, uh, you know, your stream. So, yes, um, we always ask because then you can get on the other side of that spectrum is, you know, you get a, um, uh, like a, a religious organization that wants to do a live event from their church. 
but they have a uh, only a DSL connection that barely reaches a megabit per second. You know, and they want to do an HD stream. Well, that's not going to happen. You know, because you let's say you 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 do a 950k stream, you still need some overhead. You need about you need about three megabits per second minimum to get that type of stream up to the server. Now, now you mentioned a word when you said you have a stealthy connection. Did I hear you correctly? Stealthy connection, yes. I what call does it that stealthy. mean? Stealthy means good, fast, and reliable. <laughs> okay. Sounds like George. <laughs> nice. Yeah, good, fast, and reliable. You, yeah, you obviously have haven't talked to my first wife. But, um, <laughs> okay, so, so but, but riddle me this then. I'm a big corporation. Right. I want to do this event in an architecturally relevant building. They haven't upgraded in years, just like you said with the, 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 the house of worship that doesn't have uh, anything other than a really bad DSL line. Right. Are there options around that? I want this venue. Yeah. It's got the, the, the look I want. It's got the people I want. That's going to be my, you know, the atmosphere and the aesthetics of this place is just as important as the message. What do right. I do? Um, you could go 4G. That is a, a good possibility, and we, we've done that at some major events. Um, you can um, you can take 4G modems, and you can bond them with either our system or other systems. Uh, our minicaster does that, which is basically it will take um, you know the stream, and it will transmit that stream over three, four, let's say up to six modems, right? 4G modems. And those modems uh, will transmit the stream, obviously, through the cellular network, whichever ones happen to be, you know, uh, stealthy, let's call them. <laughs> and, uh, and you pick that up on your, sir, on your CDN. And that is the only, you know, way to do it short of having a satellite connection, you know, having a satellite truck parked outside the venue. Ah, good. That was my next question. Is I was going to relate it to the truck. I'm going. If I can't do it, am I back to the truck? Is there an internet yeah. webcasting yeah. truck? You know that ties into the you know the main fiber connections uh, via the street. <laughs> there are, but here's here's what happens with sat satellite. Like the the satellite, you know, internet type satellite is not very good. You know, it's actually back down to the old DSL right. speed. Right. But if you use a live satellite that's going over IntelSat let's say, and it, you know, you can get it, receive it at, um, I don't know, let's pick a place, maybe uh, Associated Press, let's say, in New York, right? If you can pick up the satellite feed there, now you can get to a, you know, to a very good internet connection. They have a very good connection over there. So you would need a standard regular high band, you know, uh, satellite connection and have somebody decode it, you know, receive it. And then at that venue where you decode it, you can re-encode as a live web stream. All right, well, I want to... I'm oh, sorry. Sorry, let me just get the tagline. I want to remind everybody that we are listening to AV Nation. This is the live life. We're talking about webcasting for live events. Uh, with us today is Mike Postapuck, my compañero, to uh, steal the Yankees line there. And with us also <laughs> is Brian Isaacson. He is the president of Communitech Video Systems, and we're learning a lot today. Uh, I'm sorry, Mike, you had a question for him? Yeah, I was going to ask. Um, <clears throat> so, like, let's say a venue, you know, says they're rated at, you know, a billion megabits a second, right? <laughs> but <laughs> but um, now... It, people's usage at the place will affect its speed, correct? So, like, if they get, you know, yeah. you know, dozens and dozens, you know, hundreds and thousands of people using it, that's going to affect it, correct? It, it will if it's not above, let's say, not above 50 megabits per second, uh, and there are a lot of people get, a lot of people get on. Yeah, you could bog down a, uh, an internet line pretty quickly with mm -hmm. thousands of people. This actually so happens. all because it's rated for a certain thing. We, exactly. we need to take into account that also. Okay. You you must yeah you must do that. Um, we did run into that down in Columbia, Maryland, at the uh, Merriweather Post, right? Mm -hmm. Where the the connection slowed down tremendously because well there were millions of people on, <laughs> not millions but you know thousands of people, mm -hmm. all trying to use the same connection at the same time. 
That's a problem. And if you can, if you can get the venue to give you a dedicated line that's not part of the their public Wi-Fi or their, uh-huh. you know, their inter-office internet, yeah, that would be the, the way to go, right? Well, this does bring up a good question, though. So I, I, I'm the end client. I'm working with my staging company who is probably going to eventually contact Communitech. But we want to know what the venue is. You know, hey, we want to, we're going to web stream this. Uh, what do you guys offer? And they're going to throw out a bunch of terms at me. What am I looking for when they tell me what kind of connection and, and internet and ah. e- connection has that I can say, ah, that's a problem because it's going to be a problem for my web streaming company. What am I looking for to make sure I got the best? Well, you definitely want the highest megabits per second that you can possibly get. Um, if, if you got a solid five megabits per second, you know that you're going to be able to get a high def stream out the door. If that, of course, as we were saying earlier, if, uh, if there are a lot of people on that particular connection, that five megabits is going to go away pretty quickly. So you really want somewhere up of 25 to 30 megabits per second available, uh, at a, at a particular venue. And most of the venues do have that, um, a lot of the hotels now also, by the way, um, when you're staging an event there, uh, we did the, uh, the ABN show uh, in uh, January 2010, and they had a 100 megabit per second uh, line over there. And I w- that shocked me. <laughs> you know? Now, am I looking for terms though, like dedicated 100 megabit yeah. line? Well, it, at 100 megs, it doesn't have to really be dedicated. Right. Right? But at 5 meg, yeah, it better be dedicated. So, so that can be very, um, um, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Uh, you know, it can confuse you because you could come in and say, oh, wow, look, I'm getting 5 megabits over here. Uh, so this is going to be great for my webcasting. But you really need to consider that people are going to eat that up. So you really want to have more like 20 or 25 to really say that this is going to be good. Right. And, and the more most important of all of this is the up speed, right? Mm-hmm. It's one thing to have, if the guy tells you, well, we have a five megabit line. Oh, okay. What's the up speed? Because mm-hmm. it could be five megs coming down and only one meg going up. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the key, the key to all this, uh, when you ask the client is, you know, what is your up speed? And if it's if the up speed is less than five megabits per second, you know, you're going to have a problem. Um, yeah. And so for so most of these venues now, they have 30 or 40 megabit up speed, mm. you know, not down speed, down speed. You know, yeah, you need to monitor the stream. Uh, there'll be a lot of people on and people are sending stuff back and forth. That's going to eat up the up and the down. But the most important factor is the up speed at the venue's connection. All right, so it's a dedicated line that we need now. What yeah. and just conversely, what's the word I the catchword that I want to avoid or be fearful of? They say, "Well, it's a 5 megabit upstream, but uh-huh. Um, but maybe it's it's not uh doesn't have dedicated IPs. Okay. It could be a DHCP, for example, mm. which is okay, but not as reliable as dedicated IPs. So you want a a commit on the up speed and you prefer to have dedicated IP addresses, right? Addresses that you can actually plug into the webcaster. Right. You know, and 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 hold those addresses as the ones that you're going to use for your stream. Now is this a point where I should bring in some like someone like Communitech to say, hey, I need to test the speeds of these and confirm, or is there a little tool I can bring on my own laptop that would be fairly reliable to say, ah, this works over a period of time? You, you could bring us in, or you could do it yourself. You could take in a laptop and go to speedtest.net at the venue, mm-hmm. right? Or ask them where the the closest connection is, right, to the control room, where the control room is going to be, mm-hmm. or where the webcaster or tricaster would be sitting, and plug in there and go to speedtest.net, and you can, uh, you know, take a look at the needle and watch it go either up or down, <laughs> And you will determine, you know, for yourself uh, whether or not they have the connectivity. Right. And that will give you my upload and download speeds. Now, yeah, it will give you upload and download. Now, something I learned, I did a lot of RF in, 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 in the way back. 
And one thing you learn, of course, is that RF is a very itinerant and transient sort of traffic issue. Is right. the same thing true for, for, for the networking? Should I oh, be yeah. having it for five minutes, 20 minutes, three days recording? How do I, what's my get good measure of, yeah, this is going to be a fairly stable line? Well, um, when in the middle of the day, when most people are on using their, the, that particular venue's internet, that would be the best time, right? Because at night, for example, there may not be that many people on, mm. right? But daytime or let's say in the morning when there's, you know, you're in a particular venue and they are sending data back and forth, you're going to know, you know, yeah. unless it's a venue that's heavily populated at night, right? So, um, you know, in the case of the Columbia thing, it was all day right. <laughs> you know, and night. So I still have to be worried about even what we do at home, the uh, the three thirty four o'clock school kid uh, launch onto the Internet that slows oh, yeah. down the, the shared lines. True. <laughs> you know, another thing that, sh that, that also slows down the line that you should also ask about, and, and you should also insist that your connection not be a wireless connection, uh -huh. not be a Wi-Fi connection. The, the problem with Wi-Fi, even though it could be 35, 40 megabits per second, the problem with Wi-Fi is that it's very chatty yeah. in nature. So even though, you know, they may Explain not Explain chatty. What do you chatty mean by chatty? Chatty is that there's a lot of handshaking between the, the up and the down. In other words, you, you send a packet of data and the Wi-Fi says, uh, let me see if you're for real. Uh, let me see if you pass the security test. Uh, mm. See if you have the right number of bits. Uh, let me see if you have the right protocol. So, you know, it's talking to you, even though you're not talking to it physically, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's talking to your connection, your machine, your, your laptop or your computer or your webcaster. And that chattiness can slow down the video because it interferes with the packets of video that are going mm -hmm. through it. So you definitely do not want to stream live over Wi-Fi. Yeah. Even oh, though I learned something today. That is oh, that yeah. is interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's important. You know, you want a direct hardwired connection as fast as you can possibly get and direct to the router. Yeah, we've talked about this in the past about how uh, wireless is probably the single most convenient methodology developed for transmitting data of any sort, but it's also the most unreliable right. <laughs> methodology I, ever I mean, developed. I, I kind of <laughs> knew that in theory, but I never knew that there was all this... Uh, chattiness going on oh, yeah. that's why yeah. it was the problem huh. oh, it's it, Brian and that's especially true of like the higher the level of security you have the more chatty yeah. it is the more bandwidth it, overhead it takes right absolutely yeah. absolutely You're right the more security there is the more chattiness or overhead and and that can really uh put a crimp in your video stream yeah, I mean, look, we say the same thing here when we um, have people come on the show. One of the things we put in the little email to everybody is, hey, make sure you have a, a, a hard-wired line and not a Wi-Fi, if at all possible, because this helps right. us you know, ensure that it's best. Um, the truth is, I actually use a Wi-Fi connection when I'm doing it from home, like tonight, but I have a commercial Buffalo uh, industrial-grade Wi-Fi router that is right next to me <laughs> right. that I use for just this purpose so that I don't have to worry about my standard issue uh you know it's, it's actually a, a a five gigahertz unit so the, my traffic issues are less that'll All probably right. become more of an issue years years to come but it is one of those things now is that true also though for hardwired do i have to worry about security or v vlans or anything else that i might be going over well, well vlans are um actually a great way to go right because you know that's more of a dedicated line right than say just an over a standard router Right. So uh, sometimes uh, with the venues, we will uh, they will actually offer a VLAN that has its own, you know, basically its own connection to the main router, which gets you right out to the Internet. All right. Um, on a wired connection, though, you're not going to have that type of security chatter that you're going to have to worry about. Um, you know, you do have obviously there is there will probably be some type of login and security, but not. Uh, one that's going to uh, interfere with the video stream. Right. Interesting. Let me ask this. Okay, let's say I'm doing an event, and uh, basically if anything goes down with the webcast, the world is going to end. Okay? Wow. Uh, what? People tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is my best fail-safe option to do? Is it a truck? 
or or is you know can i can i trust you know the and an internet and internet line well the internet line is the weakest link right mm-hmm. so you know certainly not the hardware uh for switching uh but sometimes uh you know it depends on the encoder because well encoders are not created equal um it's good to have a backup encoder that's actually uh, streaming to another what we call publishing point. The publishing point is that spot on the C- uh, at the CDN that you are pushing the stream to, right? So um, it's a good idea to have, and this has come in very handy, to have a backup encoder running simultaneous to your the the main encoder that you're actually doing the stream with, because that is a the one point of failure that could, you know, obviously stop the stream if the, uh, you know, if the uh, encoder, let's say, loses its connection to the server, it's good to have a backup. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that can be a, a seamless backup with a, with a little bit of software on the back end, which I should also talk about the, the server-side software. Right. Yeah, actually, in a, in an average webcast, like how many points of failure are there that you have to be concerned with? Oh. <laughs> Possible points of failure. Yeah, let's say. Well, let's start with the the camera source, right? Right. Camera, obviously, <laughs> uh, the cable connection from the camera sources, the audio connection. I've seen that drop out. You know, you have an analog uh, source, and somebody didn't solder the cable properly <laughs> mm-hmm. um you, the the encoder itself right needs to be make sure that it's an encoder that has been tried true and tested mm-hmm. um with many hours of burning and then there is the uh the ethernet connections themselves those cables can go bad right uh and the and the router and very 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 rarely does the cdn ever 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 fail hmm. but again having a second encoder tied to a different publishing point uh, and can would it, it solves that problem so using two different cdns well you can use the same cdn but hit two different servers hmm. right? ah, okay uh-huh. so you know if so if server if the server in la goes down well the server in washington's still working mm-hmm. right and you, is and, that something you would just ask the cdn to do you know, or it, it's, they uh, don't do that like they don't just do that as a that. standard. I, I do it as a as a protocol, mm-hmm. you know. But they do. I mean, all CDNs have multiple uh, servers and multiple points where that you can access those servers. So you know, Akamai Level Three, Edgecast. Um, uh, there's a few other out there. I can't think of their names at the moment, but they all have multiple access points or multiple um publishing points that you can stream to and they do wind up at different servers for example uh, edgecast has uh, servers in washington and la right and so you can actually point the stream to washington and point the stream to la at the same time but only have one going at at a particular moment right and if one fails you you actually you can do a seamless uh, switch over to the other publishing point. It's interesting. I think CDN. This is, this is I'm the. Sorry. Um, that's okay, but this is sort of at the core of like uh, the old school staging guys being a little trepidatious about the web streaming thing. Like you know, it's this little thin wire thing where you yeah. big monster cables going to a truck. But what you're really describing is, hey, everything else you describe, short of the CDN going down or the internet connection going down, is really relevant to our world. The other stuff is like the truck just failing. So if the yeah. truck fails, yeah. the show fails. It's really the same thing, and you guys right. make sure that that transmission line and that CDN is going to be reliable enough to handle that overage, handle that loss, and switch over to a, a new server. Uh, right. And and really, in reality, it's it's not much different than saying if it goes down, it's like the truck failing, and it's just as likely that it won't. Right. Like in the old days, you would have a satellite feed. If that satellite feed went down, you're out. Yeah, if we had sunspots, right. you're done. Yeah, and if uh, we used to also record right on Betacam, digital Betacam, uh, three quarter inch, should I dare say? Uh, 
right? You mad again. <laughs> and, and, and what was the biggest point of failure? The machine not recording, right? Or going or crashing or not going down or eating the tape. <laughs> yeah. Well, they never ate tape. Come on. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I got a story about that one. We'll save that. I, I spent a good part of my career rebuilding those machines, by the way. Mm. Hey. <laughs> Better you than me, buddy. I'll tell you right yeah. now. Uh, well, thank God that all went away. <laughs> and, and just to remind people, you are listening to AV Nation. This is the live life. We are with Mike Postapuck, Brian Isaacs, and I am your host, George Tucker. We're talking about web streaming today. And one of the things that you hear people complain about, like when I watch the live web stream, say from the Apple unveiling, the developers conference, or some event that I know I have access to, um, we talked about latency early in the show, but something I've seen is, and maybe this goes down to like the common issues we should be aware of, but the one I noticed the most, being an audio guy and being someone who's done a lot of uh, syncing of audio and video, is a, a lot of these webinars, a lot of these web streams, the audio is so far ahead of the video. Ah, is this yes. a common issue or is this somebody just not paying attention? This is a common error. Yeah. This is a common error um, that is uh, being executed by, you know, a streaming company or a stream, you know, somebody who's doing the encoding who is, um, has not uh, taken the proper measures <laughs> to make sure that the audio is synchronized with the video. And that takes some doing. That takes some engineering. You know, back to the old legacy days, right? And, uh, you know, you have, uh, you know, if the audio's out of sync, well, you better do something about it, right? <laughs> uh, well, with webcasting, it seems to be more tolerable to have the audio out of sync. However, you're doing it for a big corporation you're doing a live concert you know you can't have the audio out of sync that's just unprofessional and just you know not the right thing to do so what you have to do is use again the encoder is the key right mm -hmm. the encoder has to have the ability to synchronize the audio and the video the the the, the origination of this problem is the fact that hd sdi and sd sdi or any, any form of video that it gets digitized, will have some latency to it. It will actually uh, be behind the audio. Why? Because they, you need some frame buffering to process that video. Right? So typically, you're looking at about uh, five frames of delay between the video and the audio. So that's what? That's 33 you know, uh, milliseconds for each frame, right? That can add up, right? You're talking over 150 milliseconds delay. That's noticeable. Yeah. And so you need a, an encoder that has that ability to match it up. Or if you don't have that, you need a digital audio console that does have, you know, uh, delay capability. And most of them do these days. And you can adjust the delay for the output to match the video you know, going through the encoder and, of course, watching it on the, you know, on the live stream on an embedded uh, web page, for example, mm. so that you can see whether or not the lip sync is there. Um, yeah, right. You're not going to watch your own, like, you. I know you have, like, a QC monitor that's in the software, but you also need to see the live stream to ensure that it's actually matching. Yeah. Absolutely. You need to see the result. Um, and I was, as I was explaining earlier about the AES, this was a whole nother ball game. Because the AES uh, needs to be synchronized to the video in order to match, right? Like right. almost like the old Genlock days. Ah. So this was a real challenge. <laughs> and um, we actually worked something out with Graham Patton. Graham Patton actually built the box that we used for the encoder to match up the audio to the video for AES digital audio. The who or what is Graham Patton? Grand Patton uh, is uh, an audio company. They used to make uh, big audio consoles. They make a lot of audio processing equipment. Ah. All right. Uh, they're now under the ISIS group. Okay. Right, out in California, out in um, out by Grass Valley, out by Grass Valley. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. So this, this actually sounds a lot to me like um, some of the early days when people were using plasmas or um, LCD screens that actually processes the video but not using a central receiver. Uh, would have the, the audio and the video delayed because the audio would go straight through, but the exactly. TV was actually still processing the signal and they'll therefore lagging. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
and it's more work on the video side. Streaming, right? It's worth worse with streaming because what you're doing in the streaming process, you not only not only are you digitizing, let's say, if you're taking an analog signal and you're digitizing it, or even if you're taking an SDI signal, you're processing, you're compressing that signal, and it takes a certain number of frames to make that happen, right? A certain number of video frames to make that happen, and so therefore your video is going to be out of sync with your audio unless you know what to do, right? Which is to delay the audio, obviously, to match the video. Right, right. Yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, could drive a, a, an end client nuts, especially if someone tries to record it on the far end. Oh, yeah. You know, they're watching <laughs> it. And here's another question for you, since we were talking about that. So, so one of the questions I got from guys going, well, I want to do it in HD. I know locally it's HD. Is it truly being received at HD at my associate's computer on his desk? It all depends on how you define HD. All right, okay. <laughs> um, the definition of it yeah, is... not HD in terms... Any stream stream is not going to be HD over the public Internet. It's going, to be, it's going to be an HD signal that comes into the encoder, yes. For example, you could have, uh, as we did with the AVM, we had six HD SDI cameras all you know, being switched simultaneously. They all come out HD SDI you know, from the switching uh, system, right, from the webcaster. But when it gets encoded, you're encoding at a compressed bit rate that is nowhere near the HD that you see on your cable or your satellite, for example, mm. right? You're not going to stream a 5, 6, 7, 8, 10 megabit signal because the public Internet is really not set up for that. Right. You can do pretty much at 1.5 meg, somewhere between 1 and 1.5 megabit per second in 16 by 9, of course. Right. And it looks awesome, right? Hmm. And if you blow it up, it may not look so awesome, <laughs> you know, at 1.5 megabits per second. If you blow it up to, uh, you know, let's say the, what do they have now, 60 inch and more, right, bigger TVs, you need you need to double or triple that bit rate in order to really see a true HD or what we would call an HD picture. Yeah, and that's why I ask is all about expectations. One of my favorite quotes is, you know, look, you could get X, Y, and Z, but, you know, Newton, he discovered this thing and physics. I can't go against it. I can't go faster than the speed of light, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of true. You, you, you can't push, uh, you know, a 30 megabit HD signal into a 1.5 megabit stream. Yeah, right? it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You have to compress it. And the result of compression, when you decode it on the other side, of course, it's no longer really that pretty, right? So, um, yeah, for most consumers, you know, 1.5 megabits per second is, is awesome. You know, they watch it on their laptop and it looks crystal, you know? You watch it on a pretty big TV, it looks or a nice size TV, not a huge one. It looks great. Yeah. Right. But you're not going to get uh, real, real, real HD. A lot of people also, you know, realizing this, a lot of customers, when they do realize that, and they're paying a premium for HD, they say, well, you know, the signal looks just as good in SD. Yeah. <laughs> right? Coming from an SDI camera, going at, you know, let's say one megabit per second, it's very difficult to see the difference. So, you know, it's all in the, uh, the eye of the viewer. I want to go back to the uh, point of failures, if we could, just really quick. I know we're running short on time here. But now, is the CDN the end of the line before it gets to your end user? No. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, wow. there's always there's the service provider, right? Because from the CDN, the CDN is tied to the backbone of the Internet, yes. Right, that we, you would think that would be a termination point, but it, it isn't. It's like the it's like the transmitter in a television station, right? Mm -hmm. And the receiver is really the service provider that is providing the internet line to the subscriber to the viewer, right? So that is the last point of failure, which would be the the service provider if they are. You know, if they have a, a one megabit connection, but, you know, a million people get on and they and they start scaling that back, which I've seen happen, 
then you're not going to get the connectivity. These days, it's much better, obviously. You know, you get a, uh, I mentioned a couple of names, Verizon, Time Warner, whatever. You get one of their lines, and it's usually very, very good as far as the uh, consistency of the bit rate that you get to see. But, yeah, yeah, that is the last point of failure. Because, you know, like as staging people, we really like to to be in control (laughs) to where, (laughs) you know, hey, if there's something wrong, we can fix it or we have a backup for that. Um, So, but you're saying, but in your experience, really, anything that is out of our control where it goes out to the CDN and beyond, those very rarely have the problem. So if there is a problem, it's usually something we can solve. Yes, and, and it's usually something we can solve. And even if it's on the subscriber or the viewer side, you need to have a, a couple of things. I'll, I'll, I'll touch briefly on the on the uh, the web side of this whole, you know, uh, streaming video, because you do need a web server that will serve out the pages, right, with the embedded code that people will be watching. But let's say somebody has a problem with their computer, right? where they don't have a particular version of Firefox or, or Internet Explorer or Safari or, uh, or Chrome, and that version doesn't have, let's say, the latest Flash player, right? They may not get the stream, right? So you have to have some kind of helpline uh, installed so that when people call and say, hey, I'm not getting a stream, mm-hmm. to figure out, you know, why, which browser they're on, which version of Flash or, or, or um, you know, they might be, it might be HTML5, so which version of, you know, Google Chrome do you have, you know? So you really need somebody who knows that whole aspect uh, ready and available to answer the viewer's questions so that, you know, that, so that they do get the stream. And you should also have, of course, a, a fact, you know, a, uh, uh, a, you know, a question and answer uh, item online posted mm. that will have, you know, an FAQ that will have everything that the customer needs to watch the stream listed as specifications. So advanced That's preparation right. is really of import here more yes. so than any other broadcast medium. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, um, you now you also, you know, there's the, there is one more point of failure we should talk about. And that is of course the, actual web server, right? You do need a web server to serve out the pages. Mm. So usually we offer that. Well, so a customer asks, well, how am I going to get, how are people going to watch this? Well, they're going to watch it on a web page that's going to be generated and hosted somewhere other than the CDN, not part of the CDN, right? right. So you need a service provider for that. And you need a good, uh, sometimes a good, uh, you know, web page writer or web writer who can write the code so that, you know, every browser can watch it so that uh, you could scale, let's say you're doing multiple bit rates, mm-hmm. which is another thing you should ask the customer if they want a single or multiple bit rate. There are ways of writing the code so that the multiple bit rates get automatically queried, right? So if, let's say a guy's got a, you know, a 15 megabit connection he's going to get he's going to get the so-called hd stream but somebody who's got maybe 350k kilobits per second is going to get the scaled downstream right right so you need to have a good programmer who can put that all together and build a web page so that the viewer gets the maximum experience or a good web streaming service that will take care of all that for you we're all about package deals in the staging industry of course Absolutely. All right. Well, guys, this has been a really informative. It's something I've wanted to learn about. And even though I've glommed a little bit off some of my engineers at the shop, this has been really cool. Brian, I want to thank you. This has been the web streaming episode of The Live Life. I want to thank Mike Postapuck, my uh, co-host, who uh, we were talking a lot about this. Mike, uh, where can they find you? What have you been doing? Well, I just uh, I'm starting to uh, put together some. my own little blogging going on a little bit at the yeah. some web stuff and I'm working on some web tools for the industry. Um, still everything's under construction a bit, so I don't want to go into too deep detail, but, uh, but I got some good stuff coming up and I'll be telling you about that soon, but you can follow me at uh, living the AV life. That's living the AV life on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I'll be posting stuff and you could see what's going on. 
Some pretty funny stuff too. I, I've got to say, I think it's really it's got a lot of potential, and I'm I'm glad that you're doing it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Brian, uh, where can they reach you on Twitter? Any specific pages? Where do they find your service? Well, at uh, www.communitechvideo is spelled C-O-M-M-U-N-I-T-E-K video.com. Right. Um, everything is right there. You can contact us right through that website. And uh, also, I don't know if you gentlemen will be out at the NAB show, but um, this will be my 30th NAB show. Oh, wow. <laughs> Showing the products. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Young guy. Uh, yeah, yeah this, this year we're in the, the North Hall. Um, I believe it's booth 1307, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to double check that for you. But All right, booth 1307. Uh, we'll have that posted on the website as well. Maybe. Yeah, North, North Hall, uh, 1307. And our sister company, Vidovation, will be showing uh, the webcaster, the minicaster, and now a new product that we're going to unveil. I call it the baby caster. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> They're going to call it something else at the show, so I can't reveal that. <laughs> Is this sort of something like the uh, TiVo Mini? Uh, can I get yeah, a... Kind of. Uh, it's okay. about 8 inches by 8 inches by 4, and it's packed. <laughs> Sounds sexy. <laughs> Very cool. And if the, if that booth number 1307 at any B North Hall is not correct, let me know, and we will post yeah. it on the show notes for everyone. So look there first, guys, just to make sure. Absolutely. Uh, and look up Brian and say, hey, I heard you. That's Get right. a face for radio. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. And, of course, I am George Tucker. I always forget to introduce myself. But then again, on Aviation, I'm everywhere, so you're bored of me now. Um, Brian, I want to thank you a lot. Mike, this has been a great show. This has sure been has. the Live Life. Mike, nice look- meeting you too. <laughs> yeah, great. And we look forward to hearing from you guys. Ask questions. This episode of the Live Life brought to you by World Stage, the ultimate resource for event engineering, technology, and imagination. Find us at www.worldstage.com.